Hello, and welcome to French Tech News with Chris O'Brien and Ethan Pierce, a podcast and clubhouse series highlighting important stories in the world of France's startups, its entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem leaders. Please join us on Monday and Thursday evenings Paris time on Clubhouse and regularly during the week as we publish those events and other exclusive interviews to this podcast. On today's live podcast on Clubhouse, we will be chatting with French tech entrepreneurs in New York and Miami on the growing trend of startups to locate their businesses and teams in up-and-coming ecosystems like Miami and related topics around quality of life, access to venture capital, local talent pools, engaged local politicians and organizations, and other subjects. Joining us for our discussion will be Clément Delong, CEO and co-founder of natural language processing startup Hugging Face, fresh off of their recent $40 million Series B fundraising, Benjamin Zanou, CEO and co-founder of retail performance platform Simplifield, Alain Reva, Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer for Insect, the world leader in insect protein and fertilizer production, Caroline Fauché-Winter, Operating Partner at C4 Ventures as well as leading French Tech New York City, and Stan Quagnard, CEO of online to brick and mortar marketing platform S4M as well as leading French Tech Miami. Welcome to French Tech News with Chris O'Brien and Ethan Pierce. This is our twice-weekly Clubhouse Roundup highlighting important stories in English in the world of France's startups, its entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem leaders. Our objective is to continue to open this incredible ecosystem up to the Anglophone startup and investment community worldwide. Clubhouse asks us to remind our speakers, as well as anyone who would like to ask a question later on, that we are recording this room to be published as an episode of the podcast. Speaking of the podcast, head on over to Apple or Spotify and search for French Tech News and give that a subscribe. There you will find our past discussions with fantasy football platform Sorare on their recent $50 million Series A, chats with Serena Capital, Alaya Partners, Founders Future, our interview with the Secretary of State for Digital Affairs, Cedric O, on France's new national cybersecurity strategy. Lots of good things. Links and notes to tonight's room and all future events, as always, are at frenchtechnews.club. You can go bookmark that and you'll see what we're doing on Mondays and Thursday evenings, seven o'clock Paris time every week. You can also sign up for the French Tech Journal newsletter, which is Chris's regular weekly newsletter of amazing stuff going on in French Tech in English. On to tonight's event. I would like to welcome our guests this evening, Caroline Fauché-Winter from French Tech New York, Clément Delong from Hugging Face, Benjamin Zanou from Simply Field, and Alain Reva from Insect. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for having Hello. us. Hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Excellent. Welcome. My co-host in this French Tech News Adventure is VentureBeats Chris O'Brien, and I will turn it over to Chris for him to kind of get us started. But I think what we'll probably do is just go between each of you for a little bit of an intro, but I'll hand it off to Chris. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for that intro, Ethan. And thank you all for joining us uh, in the middle of your afternoon after lunch. Clem, I just wanted to start with you, actually. And yeah, I thought uh, we'd go around and, and we can come back to Alain when he joins us. But uh, Clem, I'm here. I'm here. I've joined. Oh, OK. Excellent. Welcome. Well, I'll still start with Clem. Can you just tell us a little bit about, uh, very briefly, uh, where you are, what you're doing at the moment, work-wise, and, and how long you've, you've been there? So actually, I'm in Key West right now, right? So a bit, a bit more exotic than where, where I usually go to Dell in, in Florida. So if you, if you don't know it, it's 35, 40 minutes from, from Miami. Uh, I moved to Florida from New York almost like uh, five, five months ago. Uh, enjoying it a lot here. Um, 
and also it's kind of like a news that I'm sure we're going to cover in the next few minutes. Uh, we, we just announced our 40 million series B with, with a game face uh, that we have like funny stories about as kind of like it's just probably one of the most local uh, series B uh, around, around Fort Lauderdale that have been done in, in quite a while. Great, and I assume you guys are going to buy an island in Key West now for your headquarters. Exactly, exactly. That's what we 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 trying to do. Or or a boat, maybe we're kind of like pondering the the two options. Excellent, <laughs> uh, Benjamin. I'm going to jump over to you. The same question, just a little bit about your background, uh, where you are now, and and how long you've been with your your current company. Yes, thanks, Chris. Um, so Benjamin, I'm the CEO and co-founder of uh, Simply Field. Um, I, I used to live in New York uh, since uh, now almost three years. I moved to Miami. I mean, north of Miami, in Aventura, for the past like three months, and uh, loving it here. Uh, and uh, operating Simply Field in the U.S. from Miami with a team now spread all all across the country. Excellent. And then, Alain, if I can come to you last with the same question. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me uh, on the show. So um, I've been with the company, with Insect, um, for five years, you know, as an advisor initially and as an investor. And then, uh, and then I joined them about a year and a half ago as the chief marketing officer and the chief strategy officer. Um, what, I was in San Francisco, and so um, I decided to actually just move to uh, the East Coast so that it would make uh, it easier to, um, to shuttle between, uh, between France and, and the U.S., but also because the quality of life is, quite frankly, uh, you know, much better, uh, much higher in, um, in Miami than it is in San Francisco. And then, Alain, just to be clear, where, where are you now? Oh, so I'm in Miami Beach. Okay, so three Florida residents. Yeah, I was in, myself, I was in the Valley for 15 years before escaping to France. Uh, about six years ago, so I have more experience with the quality of life in the Bay Area than I do uh, in New York City. But uh, I understand that desire. It's it's a tough tougher place to live now than it was, uh, I guess, over a decade ago. So so if I can just kind of actually go backwards for a second with each of you, uh, and I'll start again with uh, Clement. How did you originally come to? Um, the U.S. And, and what was your criteria for deciding where you were going to be? Based? Yeah, so I moved to the U.S. actually a little bit over six years ago. Um, at the beginning, it was very much kind of like um, uh, work work related for the first few weeks. Uh, I was at the time working at a company called a French company called Mention um, that uh, I was uh, working at as a as a CMO, and I. I kind of like started to do a lot of uh, travel trips back and forth between Paris and, and New York to hire uh, the first kind of like uh, American team members in New York, the first sales, the first marketing people here. Um, and, and then I moved from, uh, I, I would say, professional reasons to uh, personal reasons. Uh, I, I, made, I met uh, who would become my, my wife uh, in, in New York. Uh, and that's kind of like almost what, what made me stay. Uh, and, and it's interesting because it's uh, a little bit of the same uh, uh, phenomenon for uh, me moving from from New York to um, to Florida. I think a lot of my reasons are actually like personal reasons. 
Um, and I, I think they are very, very important. I, I usually don't believe like uh, people were saying they're moving only for professional uh, reasons, right? Because everyone, in addition to being, you know, a co-founder, CEO, CTO, CMO, they are also, you know, like a dad or, or mom, you know, like boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, they like quality of life, lifestyle is, is important. Uh, so I think a lot of the drivers that explains obviously right now moving from New York or from San Francisco to uh, to Florida are uh, per- personal reasons, and that was definitely the case for for me when I when I moved a few months ago. Sure. Uh, just to follow up on that, I'll, I'll ask the same question to Benjamin. When you came, and and what was your criteria for uh, choosing a locale in the United States? Yeah. So I'm. Um building like a enterprise retail uh, SaaS platform to help uh, brand manage their store at distance. So enterprise software and retail, uh, New York were clearly like the, the capital uh, of the world for those two uh, uh, verticals. Uh, all the biggest customers uh, we have had uh, headquarters in New York, the biggest event in retail, the uh, National Retail Federation event every January is in New York. Uh, all the investors looking uh, in retail tech have like offices and teams specialized on those topic in New York. So uh, when we did our seed round uh, of four million with uh, Caporn in uh, 2017, uh, we decided to uh, explore uh, the U.S. market. Uh, for a year, just to see how we are able to compete. Uh, and it goes, so in 2018, I went to New York with my uh, two kids and my wife. Uh, again, agreeing with uh, Clement that uh, the personal and professional life are uh, drastically linked on those uh, uh, decisions. Uh, we moved uh, to New York, uh, started to uh, opening uh, an office uh, back then, uh, got some pretty nice uh, win in the first months and uh, we raised our series A of uh, 11 million with uh, a US VC called 5Ms uh, in 2019 to develop uh, on, the, on the US market. So that's basically like in those two professional events that we took like the opportunity to, to also like uh, have our kids experience uh, the US life. So, so pretty, yeah, we were pretty happy about that. Uh, and to be in New York back then, uh, given all the opportunities that is open for the company and for us at a, at a personal level. Great. And Elena, I'll, I'll come back to you on the same question. Yeah. How long you've been in the US now and, and what was your criteria for picking uh, San Francisco to start? So I've been on and off in the U.S. for about um, 15 years. Um, I started in New York, um, like most French people, and um, then proceeded to Miami for a few years, um, and then um, you know proceeded to San Francisco. And when um, you know our company was uh, was about to go public, um, it was time to actually just uh, move to uh, move to Florida. Well, well, let's just then start with stay with you for a second, Alain. So now this is your second time in, in Miami. How does that experience comparing to when you were there before? And in terms of work, does Insect have an office? Or are you working from home? Uh, what is the situation there? Well, with the pandemic, aren't we all working from home? Um, but uh, <laughs> true, but true. so, so um, you know, I think, I think what has changed is, is uh, 
the, the recognition from, you know, the powers that be in Silicon Valley um, and, you know, the financial community in New York, um, that quality of life actually really matters. Where you live, uh, whether it's functional or, or, or dysfunctional, actually affects you, um, your interactions with others and, and the way you work. And so I think the, the, it's, a, it's an issue that's, that's, that's going to not go away. I don't think it's just a pandemic thing. And, and I think the pandemic just, just freed everybody from having to go to a specific location to work. And I think that actually is a game changer. But, um, but the reality is quality of life actually really matters. I mean, the, the fact that you are able to you know, live in your off hours and, and have meetings, productive meetings, participate in the life of a city, which, you know, in San Francisco, you know, turned out to be very, very difficult, increasingly difficult, and then almost impossible um, for, for, for most people, at least, you know, at the level of, of quality, you know, basic, you know, quality of life that you, that you expect. And so I don't think anybody moved to Miami for the tech scene. I think the, the, the tech scene, you know, burgeons and, and, and grows and, and, and becomes a tech scene because of the number of people who have moved and discovered, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the great quality of life. And so, you know, that's where there's a potential for it to become something. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline. Uh, I love Ethan, by the way, how you pronounce Fauché. It's, uh, it's really, uh, it's really cool. So Caroline uh, Fauché Winter here, and I'm based in New York City. And uh, I just wanted to add like a little bit of context to this uh, discussion as to why we are all here today. Um, it just happened that I'm here in New York City. I'm a board member of uh, La French Tech New York. And it's been like a few months now I've been noticing not only those French entrepreneurs going back to France, but also, um, you know, like moving uh, to, uh, to uh, Miami especially. And I was like, is it just me or is there like something going on? And um, we had this discussion with Chris and I said, well, there's something maybe to talk about. And then like researching a little bit, uh, you know, the, the, the topic and also following the news, I realized that it was not only, you know, Elon Musk or Hewlett Packard or uh, Drew Houston, uh, you know, the CEO of Dropbox moving to, host, uh, to Austin in Texas. But there's like actually something uh, like uh, a flock of entrepreneurs moving from the Silicon Valley and also those big ecosystem like New York City uh, to Miami. And at first uh, I was like, is there only because there's, you know, sun and the beach and because it's COVID or is there something more to it? So um, this is really my question to, to you guys like Clément and Alain and, and Benjamin is um, how do you, um, do you do you find something in Miami, in Florida, in general, uh, in terms of business that you couldn't find in New York City or Silicon Valley, or is it um, like the proximity to uh, the Latin American uh, uh, um, market or uh, new investors? Uh, have you really, uh, you know, like uh, thought uh, the whole process uh, in terms of business, or was it just like more like a personal type of uh, decision? So um, I think what Alain said uh, earlier about like being freed from a, an office and not having to be there to enjoy the network or to enjoy the, the, relation, the relation you may have in a particular city is pretty right. I mean, in Miami, in my line of business, you have all the travel retail, for example, headquarters being there. So 
Yes, it's new opportunity. Yes, you have like VCs who just open like uh, new uh, funds dedicated to the region. Uh, but honestly, like I, I think the market is just uh, opening up. Uh, you can uh, reach to uh, like my investors are in Kansas City, for example. Uh, I have uh, employee being in California, in Austin, in Connecticut, uh, in Dominican Republic right now. Um, so it's I don't, I don't say like the local scene. What is nice is like you have a lot of energizing people coming over that you can meet uh, and give you an environment to deliver the best work. That is great while keeping an amazing quality of life. And, and I think that's what uh, uh, makes the, the difference. You keep the access to the resources all over the country, but you also like uh, enjoy and have like with your family uh, and, and with three kids. Uh, it says a lot, like for me, and it was really important. Um, yeah, it's it's you keep like this these two together, and, and Miami offer like a, a place I think like no other uh, in the US for for that. But uh, business wise, uh, I think New York and San Francisco are and will be still like bigger hub with bigger resources if you play uh, on the local scene. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, like for me at least, it's mostly a lifestyle move, um, especially with COVID. Uh, what's interesting is that obviously the lifestyle kind of kind of like advantages are sometimes leading to some sort of kind of like professional advantages, right? For example, for us, just after we raised our Series B, um, we flew in a couple of like uh, team members from um, from New York to to come to. Um, Miami for for a long weekend. Obviously, it would have been harder to convince them to come if we were, uh, you know, in a place of the world with like colder weather and and you know like uh, uh, not as many abilities to do things outside, right? The same same thing for investors. When we raised our Series B, we actually had multiple investors uh, flying into uh, Florida to to uh, see me to have lunch with me. I, I would imagine they, they didn't tell me that, but I, I, I would imagine that, you know, flying to Florida was easier for them than, you know, if I was like in the middle of the US or like with a bad weather, I think. I, I, I was joking with um with, with someone on, on Twitter yesterday that I should have asked them when they flew in to work from my office and, and I'm sure they would have declined because they probably took advantage of their trip to do other fun stuff and have some relaxing time and kind of like enjoy a little bit the, the nice weather here. So sometimes even kind of like the lifestyle aspects are driving some kind of like a, a professional professional advantages too. Uh, but on on my side, except except that, except these kind of like a, a more opportunistic externalities. Um, we're not really planning too much to really kind of like grow the business here and, and take advantage of some of the kind of like uh, Miami, Florida regions, kind of like uh, business opportunities. So I, I have a I have a question because while you talk a lot about uh, this, uh, um, you know, the, the, the way of life, it's a lifestyle and everything um, in terms of COVID, well, it's not a secret that Florida and Miami uh, was mainly open compared to um, California or uh, uh, New York City, for example. So I guess 
um, even though we are all now used to work from home and you know to have like um, a, a distance relationship with our coworker or employees, um, it still remains pretty um, pretty um, useful, I guess, to be able to meet in person and to uh, to have some kind of a real life, normal life pre-COVID type of thing. Um, but there's, I don't know, but I was looking at the numbers and, you know, like just in, in terms of venture uh, funding, you know, 2016, I was reading that number that um, in, in Miami, it was around like 130 million, you know, for uh, in, in venture funding. And whereas in 2020, it was like close to a billion uh, dollar investments. Um, it's just like, it's, there's more than just, uh, is it like, the tax system is it like uh, you know? There's no income tax in Florida. Is there like something um, that is really uh, building up in, in Florida? Do you think it's going to transform like uh, the Silicon Valley, um, the new Silicon Valley? I was reading a lot of things about that. There's a conflicting you know uh, theories about that, obviously. But is it just um, it's going to happen in Florida, but also elsewhere, or Florida does have something that is more um, um, more um, incentives, you know, to, uh, to, to the move. Uh, if, I, if I may provide uh, some insight here. So uh, uh, Stan, I'm, I'm leading the French tech community in Miami. Hi, Stan. <laughs> Hi, Caroline. I, I've been listening very carefully and, uh, and I wanted to congratulate uh, Alan, Clem and, and Ben because uh, you guys are the most uh, successful people in the French tech community. Uh, now it's it's important to notice that uh, the the trend was happening even before uh, the pandemic. When, when you look at uh, the biggest company that have uh, moved to Miami, I'm talking about uh, Blackstone. Uh, I'm talking about uh, the Advani family office from uh, from the West Coast, or even SoftBank. Th those guys have put a lot of money and and they have started to do that early in 2019. Uh, you can imagine if, if you settle uh, a second office of over 200 people in Miami, that's not something that you can plan during a pandemic. So, and it doesn't mean it's not because of the lifestyle, but what I'm saying that it, it has started a bit earlier than that. There is a huge project in Miami downtown uh, led by uh, Moshe Mana Group, uh, the guys uh, from Israel. Uh, he has been in New York for a while. He has developed, he has developed um, a big project in Wynwood about art. And he has acquired uh, 45 buildings uh, downtown. And the city uh, has uh, put on the table something like 27 or 28 millions just to, to help and support the project. So 45 buildings to give you an idea, but it's, uh, it's like three times uh, Station F in France. So this whole uh, trend is uh, is moving fast forward. It's it's true. It's a momentum, but my point is that it has started slowly a decade ago, and it's finally uh, we are finally getting there. And also, you have like one thing, and and Stan, I'm I'm using your example, but like the mayor of Miami is doing a lot uh, right now uh, in terms of communication, in terms of. Uh, uh, connecting like entrepreneurs, creating events, uh, attracting like new startups, new investors with the uh, how can I help uh, trend. Uh, and it's pretty unique. I have to say that you have like uh, investors, 
tax regulation, um, uh, the, poli the politics also, and, uh, and the lifestyle that goes together at the same place at the same time. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty uh, nice opportunity. And, and one of the key examples is like, I, I had like a friend from Google who moved to Miami remote uh, long term uh, without like, I, I didn't know about it and for the same reason. And also another friend who is like VP product at Newscred We just did the move also from New York. Um, so this space, this communication, like the Maya is doing, has a huge impact with all those projects and all those investments uh, by attracting like talent, even from bigger, bigger startup or corporation. And I think, you know, I'll second what, uh, what Benjamin is saying. Hi, Benjamin. You know, I think there's a few elements that, 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 that plead in, in, in Miami's favor. Um, I'm not going to you know, claim here that Miami is the next Silicon Beach, you know, Silicon anything. I don't think it's, 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 it's that, and I don't think uh, that's what Miami aspires to be. Um, I think the, the key question is, you know, it doesn't really matter if the companies are based in San Francisco or they were started in San Francisco or in New York. If the founders, if, you know, some of the key employees are in Miami, um, you know, how hard is it going to, to, to be to bring them back? And so some of them will just move back, no, no worries. Um, and, and some of them will actually really, you know, question whether they want to go permanently remote, which now most companies are, are offering for their, uh, for their temp uh, top employees. It's, it's very, very hard to recruit. It's very hard to recruit in Silicon Valley. Um, so you're not going to let go of very good people that you have on staff just because they're remote. Maybe you'll adjust their salary, which has been very unpopular and, and hasn't been implemented uh, in many companies. But the reality is it will create you know, hopefully a critical mass of talent. And that's the only thing that Miami needs is a critical mass of talent. There's lots of talent here in the hospitality business, in real estate, um, in, you know, a number of, of, of other, um, you know, sector of the economy, like healthcare and financial services. But the reality is there's no critical mass in, in terms of tech. So I think the key question is, you know, what's, what, where do we go from here? And I think if it reaches some sort of a critical mass, Um, you know, maybe we'll look at something interesting in terms of talent. And if it doesn't, then, you know, Silicon Valley and, 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 and New York will, will recover. Although I think that there's a lot of people that are reconsidering how they work and, uh, and what is work. And, you know, if you're independently, you know, sort of you're the CEO of your company or you're, you know, independently wealthy or you run a fund or you have a number of, you know, a little bit more freedom than the average uh, employee, you certainly have made, you know, a, a very drastic, you know, change in the way you live and, and the way you've moved. Um, you know, I have a friend who is a, a prof at Stanford and he moved to Sweden. The minute the pandemic happened, he was like, Sweden is going to keep their, their school open. I'm keeping my kids in school. And he's been there for a year and his kids are super happy and he's going to move back. Obviously, he's a prof at Stanford. He's going to move back when they reopen. But the reality is, you know, those people, that, that category of people will actually make you know, a drastic, you know, decision as to where they want to live, where they want their kids to grow up, what kind of politics they want, um, you know, to, to, to apply to them on a daily basis. And I think then, you know, the employees will follow. I mean, these people are usually um, the ones who are generating, you know, opportunities, creating companies, building, and that's where it becomes really interesting for Miami. So maybe it's not this generation, and maybe it takes a really long time, but there's like a, a sweeping movement. Uh, people have been coming from Wall Street They've been coming to, to, to Miami for a long, long time because it's on the same time zone. And we have an app. We have a network access point of the internet. 
um, downtown. So you can co-locate your servers and, and do trading at just as if you were um, you know, in, in, in New York. So a lot of people have done that you know, in the past, but not in, in that critical mass. So I think it's um, also a, a time in, in those people's career. If you're young and starting, um, maybe you're not in Miami. But if you're you know, a little bit more established, you know, maybe this is a, a possibility for you. Um, and then it's going to be really difficult for people to be brought back you know, to, to realities or places where there's tremendous traffic, um, you know, adversarial, you know, government, you know, uh, or relations, um, and, um, and, and, and a lot more, a lot less, you know, quality of life than what, they, what they've experienced. Well, I think definitely when we look at this idea of, will it go back to what it was before? I think that's a, a non sequitur in the sense that it's, if we're not going back to what we had before, too many people have, too many people are happy with the fact that things have changed and that they are able to move somewhere else and, and do things elsewhere. But also just when we look at global ecosystems and the ability to start scaling, start building something and scale it, find investment, um, build a team without having to actually use, you know, leverage the U.S. at all by, by going there potentially from a distance by hiring people. But what we're finding is, is people have, are creating new systems for how to start and scale companies. And there's going to be no reason to completely go backwards on that. Um, I think it's definitely going to be a hybrid of remote work and on-site. And the on-site thing then is, is people finding, you know, making lifestyle choices. And I think Miami really ticks the box like, like we're seeing in Denver and San Diego and especially in Austin of, of a place that people want to be. Um, and so they can be there because they want to be there. But then it's also the place that they can work make a good living, raise a family, do all the things that they want to do. So I think lifestyle is, is, is definitely playing a big piece of that and will continue to. Then there's potentially the regulatory compliance, the regulatory piece that we might see a bit in Europe now for, you know, depending on where you want to build something, you know, with Brexit and other kinds of things taking place, you know, that's also, that's another layer of maybe people need to go somewhere because it's where they can build the thing they want to build because of regulatory or, or other issues. But I, completely think that, yes, as a lifestyle choice, that's going to be driving people tremendously. And then just to the general side of it, too, it there's always been this discussion of Silicon Valley, San Francisco um, versus everyone else. I don't think moving forward, we're going to see the same way with it being San Fran being um, Miami versus Austin be versus uh, San Diego or, or wherever, simply because I think that none of those ecosystems is going to become the new Silicon Valley as the only place or the place to be. It's going to become one of the most important places to be. And there will be a number of them that, that, that become epicenters of what's really cool and what's going on to create this, this density of talent and resources and experience and, and capital. And then you leverage everything else from remote. But we even see it now in Europe. You know, last week we had, I think it was last week, the Scale Up Europe conference and announcement where even, you know, this was coming from French Tech and, and France Digital, a, a European startup network, where they were basically saying, it'd be great if we move forward instead of having French Tech and Tech Leap and all these other things, we just have European um, startups. And so there's even this idea that, you know, these ecosystems, no matter how well they're doing individually, are going to want to be leveraging each other to move forward well. And I think that Miami is definitely placed to be one of the top places in the U.S., from the lifestyle, um, as well as other resources perspective, especially with, with the mayor that you have right now being so pro innovation ecosystems, also, especially when it comes to uh, bringing in stuff around the blockchain and crypto economy, that's, that's, that's creating a lot of buzz and interest as well. But, you know, just tons of great reasons there why Miami, Miami is going to be a piece of this future for sure. And it's great to see you guys building 
great teams and great businesses there. Uh, I'll just jump back in here. Uh, this is a great conversation, guys. Uh, so, so thank you very much. You know, a couple of perspectives as, as someone who was in Silicon Valley for a long time. The, the, the Silicon Valley is doomed theme is one that uh, has, has been around forever. I remember the early 90s, uh, there was a feeling that the, the valley was dead. And then after the dot-com bubble, the, the valley was dead. So I'm always a little skeptical when we start hearing that theme. You know, my view, uh, I do agree with uh, what Ellen was saying. The, the valley became, for us, really unlivable. Uh, in the last few years that we were there, there was sort of an extraordinary growth with these sort of the the well really the the GAFA uh, companies you know Facebook, uh, Apple, Google, they were so determined to pack everybody into Silicon Valley. Uh, you know they had remote offices obviously, but they were just building these gargantuan headquarters and just stuffing more and more people in there building these insane bus networks to get everyone around because the infrastructure couldn't handle it. Uh, you know, everything about the place just felt like it was collapsing to me, frankly. And we were sad to go, but we were also a bit relieved uh, to go. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think the quality of life thing is, is increasingly good thing. I actually think, you know, some of these companies leaving and some of that steam coming out of Silicon Valley could be really healthy for it. In fact, uh, over the next few years, so it can kind of reset its its own priorities. At the same time, you know, having lived, I lived in North Carolina for a long time, which has a decent ecosystem. You know, I, we found, uh, I was there in the 90s, and they kept hoping a real entrepreneurial culture would emerge. And it it did a little bit, but not a lot. Obviously, things are different 30 years later. But I want to kind of put the question to to, to all of you, you know, what does, we, we talked about the strong points of Miami, you know, what is it, what are the cons or what is it missing? What does it need to do to really, uh, to, to really develop its entrepreneurial culture? Yeah, I, I can take that. And, and I want to start, I think you, you identify a good point, Chris, which I think the Miami boom, the Florida boom for, for startups brings more lessons not not so much for San Francisco and and New York, which are bigger startup hubs and are going to say bigger startup hubs, but actually most of the lessons about this boom I think are useful for smaller hubs, right? And that that's when you know talking from the French tech group is interesting because I think it brings a lot of lessons not only for not for bigger hubs but for the Paris ecosystem for like the Europe, other European ecosystems I think the main thing for me is obviously like the PR and marketing how you know uh, Miami and, and Florida managed to change the narrative really fast on kind of like the ability to attract and, and retain talent and, and startups uh, and and when you when you talked about you know like the the problems and, and the challenges, um, obviously, it's it's super early here, right? Uh, people are starting to to come. Teams are starting to form. Uh, it's usually just a couple of people from every companies, right? Not not big, huge, uh, whole teams from from companies. So to me, I mean, I'm I'm starting my exploration of the of the ecosystem, uh, but it still relatively small uh, and, and early compared to an ecosystem like, like New York and, and Paris in terms of like 
meeting, hiring, uh, and, and kind of like getting together with other companies and, and other people. Yeah, I think I agree with uh, with what Clem said, like about like the structure of the ecosystem and how we get together. And uh, uh, Stan is doing a great job at the French Tech Miami. I have the chance to to attend one of their last events. Uh, we can see a lot of uh, people willing to uh, orchestrate um, this like uh, hub and like start like uh, creating relationship with the new investors you have uh, around with the new uh, entrepreneur you have uh, here, but it's still pretty new. And in a COVID world, there's, there's still restriction uh, so far to get everyone together. So it will take times, but the willingness is there. I think what the, the main challenge I'm seeing is hiring and education. Uh, I think like finding talents uh, with, uh, you know, like startups experience uh, in, in Miami is pretty difficult uh, so far. I'm like looking for like three, four people around here and uh, have a really, really hard time uh, just getting like the right uh, resume, you know, the right people compared to, for example, Atlanta, where you have like way more uh, experienced season SaaS uh, employee and trained employee over there, or Riley in uh, North Carolina, for example, which is a good um, uh, sources for like amazing candidates. Uh, I think education will be a key part about like investing in training uh, the new generation uh, coming up uh, to the, all those jobs because there's a ton of opportunities, as you said, I think Chris around the crypto industry and, and Bitcoin, there's a lot going on there. Uh, the Maya is pretty bullish on that and is willing to attract a lot of talent. Uh, so there's a willingness, but now in the execution, uh, it's going to take time. And, and for sure, it's pretty young. Uh, but like if it keeps going, we should see a, like a decent hub, like uh, really, really soon. You know, the other, my other observation, of course, the, the financing uh, and the VC industry has really evolved the last few years. I, I can remember, again, being in the Valley and attending the first presentation when Andreessen Horowitz was just formally launching their fund. Uh, gosh, I think it was almost 15 years ago now. And their uh, center, centerpiece of their investment thesis was they were only going to invest in companies located in Silicon Valley. They felt that there was, this was where the best companies were, the best talent, and they didn't know, need to go outside that region to, to find the best. They were always going to come from the Valley. Obviously, you know, 15 years later, they're investing everywhere. Uh, they they haven't stuck with that thesis, and and the world has changed. And then then on top of that, with COVID, you know, more and more we're seeing investors. You know, they're they're investing over Zoom calls, anyways. You know, they're they're and so the the importance of meeting the team in person or where that team is is uh, is 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 less consequential than it was even just uh, two years ago. So I'm wondering, you know, how much any of you there are are seeing that in terms of changes? Uh, it, it sounds like, again, being in Miami hasn't posed any disadvantage in terms of, you know, raising money or attracting uh, investment interest. Yeah, I have an interesting data point here because we've actually had two um, uh, term two VCs who uh, sent us a term sheet for our Series B who said that the main reason for not investing in the Series A is that we were not in the Bay Area as, as a company. 
Um, and, and obviously that COVID changed the game and, and now that they, they were open to invest anywhere. I don't know how, how much of this is true, right? Because you, you never really know if the reason for not investing is, is the real reason from, from VCs. But at least they, they told me that uh, it changed in, in the meantime. So I, I would say there's some truth to that, that the investment community, the VC community is starting to be more open-minded in terms of like where, where to invest. The second data point that I have is, as I said at the beginning of this, uh, um, of this event, that uh, we've had multiple VCs kind of like flying into Florida to be able to see us uh, for, for this round uh, and ended up, a uh, funny story, ended up raising from uh, Lee Fixel, who's like a, a Fort Lauderdale native, grew up, grew up around here. Um, Thanks to our board member, which is who is Brandon Reeves from Lux Capital, who also grew, grew up here. So it was kind of like a fun story and a fun process to see kind of like investors who grew up here um, that are now who are now kind of like a, a little bit all over. Brandon is in San Francisco and, and Lee is in New York, uh, but but still kind of like uh, coming here uh, and investing in Hugging Face which is obviously a very distributed company. Uh, we have a lot of people in, in Paris, in New York, and, and all over the world. Uh, but while I was, I was here in, in Fort Lauderdale. So interestingly, I'm hearing the we're from here conversation in a lot of different ecosystems now where you know, the, the remote work thing has, has created that trend. So it's going to be funny to see how, how much of stuff comes back to where it was originally before people went to the valley or elsewhere in order to build a career. So that's an interesting data point. And, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, Arno, welcome to this stage. Did you have a question that you wanted to ask? Yeah, no, thank you very much. And uh, first, uh, uh, thank you for the, for the show. Congrats, uh, Claim, for your fundraising. And I'm talking uh, from uh, San Francisco. And um, indeed, yes, I think uh, first comment about data before my question is that uh, I think the, in, in San Francisco, it was not sustainable be, be, before COVID anyway, because like 20% more people were coming than housing units were created. So there was obviously not uh, enough room for, for all this inflow of, of people. So I think we talk about exodus, I think it's much more like rebalancing of the demographics in San Francisco and the barrier in general. But it's true that um, the main um, uh, point for the San Francisco or Silicon Valley ecosystem was this network effect where you uh, add all these meetups and these events, like you mentioned, Chris, where indeed, if you were not in the room, you were missing it. Um, and now it's been virtualized. And uh, how much you see uh, maybe Clubhouse being this uh, replacement of meetups and the creation of uh, networks effect uh, that you can have to have a, a dynamic community and uh, and yes if it would help uh, you think uh, the decentralization of this uh, a tech community uh, network effect or if you think that you still need hubs and the fact that pe meeting people in real life uh, will still be key to create these connections I'll just jump into this I mean I think that's that's going to be one of the really interesting things to see. Uh, you know, if there's a secret sauce that I observe again in my experience in the Valley, that that the density of the talent and the density of the companies and the serendipity you had for so many decades uh, was astonishing, and that mixing 
of people from different backgrounds with little loyalty to any company they were working for. You know, they were just interested in the product or the technology. Uh, you know, and the, you go to a cafe and it's all engineers or a bar or an event, meetup, whatever it was, whatever form it took over the decades. And so that just randomness and that mixing that constantly was happening on a social level was, I think, hard for any other area to replicate. Even, even I think, as impressive uh, as the San Francisco tech scene, or excuse me, the New York tech scene has become, you know, you don't have that same uh, level of serendipity that you did in San Francisco or the Valley. So I think, you know, the question is, and it's probably a, uh, something for someone with a good product to solve, maybe it ends up being Clubhouse, maybe it's something else, but where do you get that kind of just that random sort of mixing that those happy accidents that then spark conversations, lead to different ways of thinking about problems, uh, just really shake people up or, or those random connections that are kind of made Silicon Valley a special place for a long time. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's one thing that's a bit tougher to do, obviously, now. Uh, and, and some of those communities, like an up-and-coming place like Miami, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that begins to happen uh, when, you know, in real life or virtually. But I, I, I think that'll be a, a big question for some of these places to really go to the next level, whether they can sort of develop that culture or whether it becomes a virtual. Well, if I may, I think that um, that was actually the problem of uh, Silicon Valley, for, 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 in my opinion. The fact that it was, uh, it had become something um, where everything became tech and uh, a lot of tech um, only uh, kind of uh, place. Um, yes, it's beneficial in a way, but at the same time, uh, I heard a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, French ones, but not, not only saying about New York, for example, I think Miami or other places like Paris, for example, or France in general, um, the, the fact that you can not only um, run into, you know, some tech guy, entrepreneur or whoever at a random cafe, uh, yes, it's great, but you can also be inspired and, and, and meet other type of people with different backgrounds and, um, you know, coming from not working in tech at all. And I think this is part also maybe of a new um, way to, to, to think um, your, you know, the, you want to build a startup, but you don't necessarily need to breathe and eat and drink startup, you know, on a 24-7 type of uh, uh, level, in my opinion. But I, I would like to ask that question to, uh, to all of you guys, like Clément, Benjamin, I mean, do you think it's something that um, is necessary in terms of innovation or, you know, like to create a good um, ecosystem, do you need to be surrounded by mainly, uh, you know, tech people? Uh, tech people, I'll say uh, it's a good thing, but it's not a must. I think hardworking people, people, like in Miami, what I like is there's a lot of entrepreneurs in general, like people creating their business, uh, could be e-commerce, could be uh, hospitality, could be like many, many different verticals, but they have an entrepreneur mindset. So they are hardworking, energizing, willing to do more. Uh, they are taking risk, uh, but they are also like working on their uh, uh, own like, company, like uh, growing their own teams. Uh, they have the same difficulties into finding talents. So, so the mindset and the, and the fact that people are 
uh, are hardworking again and like really like willing to build their own uh, companies at large, uh, I think is really interesting. It's different conversation, uh, but you learn a lot and uh, you meet a lot of great people too. So, so really like uh, um, I didn't exper experience and I was not in the US uh, when the Silicon Valley uh, Pops and all this uh, serendipity and Chris spoke about. So I can't say uh, if it's a yes or no, but I think like there is a really like the entrepreneur mindset is spreading in many, many verticals. And we see a lot of talented people like building uh, great companies that are not tech related. And in Miami is a good example of that. And I find it like pretty uh, interesting and uh, to improve uh, at a personal level and be a, a better CEO at my company. Miami, Miami is the first uh, city in the U.S. for the entrepreneurship uh, ratio. Yeah. Or at least it was uh, three years ago. That's the, the data I have. If I, want, uh, if I can just add one thing, I think we keep uh, comparing Miami to, to SF or New York and, and people who move uh, to Miami think they are going to replicate uh, what they were doing in, in SF or New York, where in reality... Uh, the narrative can be very different. When, when you hear about uh, SoftBank putting 100 million USD of, uh, for a fund to invest locally, it means what it means. Like it's, it's about the Latin American market. It's about a local market. And the lack of success uh, finding true talents is just because when you move from New York or from the Silicon Valley to Miami, you are trying to replicate the type of candidate you were, you were trained to look for. In reality, talents in Miami are coming from Brazil, from Colombia, and, and you can find uh, amazing developers. Uh, so I, I think this is something we should, um, we should consider to have a, a wider approach. Miami uh, has its own DNA, and, and, and you need to understand that in order to accelerate your business from Miami. I actually have a, a question for, for the other speakers, if, if that's okay. Because I think, I, I feel like we talked a lot about, you know, like inside the US uh, travel, right? People, people going from San Francisco, from New York to, to Miami. Obviously, it's hard for people right now to go from Europe directly to, to Miami and to the US in, in general because of the, you know, travel ban with, with, with COVID. But uh, I, I was wondering if uh, maybe, maybe Stan or Caroline or maybe, maybe Chris, do you think that um, at some point more and more people are going to move, for example, from the Paris ecosystem to the Miami <laughs> that ecosystem? That was my question. <laughs> All right, so that's my question. <laughs> I mean, that was exactly what... <laughs> Clem, it has always been a, a, a possibility to go from Paris to either on the East Coast, either New York or Miami. And you've seen like a, a lot of, of, uh, of tech entrepreneurs. I'm thinking about Olivier Rouillet. I'm thinking about, you know, um, Jonathan Zissamont, a bunch of, you know, Ilan Elbaz, a bunch of people who actually have moved directly, not, you know, going to New York, but actually, you know, going to Miami for a number of different reasons, but staying on the East Coast, because obviously with, with, with Europe, it works. I mean, we raised $435 million. Um, so I think everybody is keeping here in Miami a very low profile you know, and, and not really just basically talking uh, about it. Ari at uh, Reef, you know, raised uh, over a billion and basically also is keeping, a, you know, quite a low profile. Maybe it's because, you know, we're in Miami and, and it's not really, you know, this sort of ecosystem and, 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 and people are talking about it, but they're not really speaking to the, the participants. I think 
the, 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 uh, from Paris to the East Coast is, is a natural, and there's no reason for, for people not to move you know, to either New York or, or, or to Miami. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit what's happening right now to me is a little bit what's happening in France in general. You know, you see like outside of Paris, Paris still is the main ecosystem tech in France for sure. But you can see uh, a lot of entrepreneurs now based uh, in Montpellier, in Bordeaux, in Lyon, in everywhere. And I think this is exactly what is happening right now um, uh, in the U.S. as well. And, uh, you know, we, we build this uh a community of French tech uh, here in, in, in America, and you have like 10 communities now, and we are talking about Raleigh in North Carolina, we are talking about Austin, Houston, uh, Montreal, uh, you, have, you have Toronto, you have like so many different ecosystems. I think the new thing now is, especially foreign entrepreneurs uh, and French entrepreneurs, since we are talking about French tech, willing to move to uh, North America now have um, a choice. A real choice, um, and and I think it's great, um, frankly. Yeah, I I can double down on that one. Uh, truly, I have at least one or two calls per week right now of a French entrepreneur. Uh, it's about cyber tech. Uh, it's about uh, I mean uh, cyber security. Sorry, it's about uh, biotech, fintech, uh, life science, uh, and the situation to open up. So they can they can move and like uh, they are ready for that and and they don't know what to to choose between uh, Fallauderdale or Tampa Bay or Miami because depending on the city in Florida you have different kind of expertise uh, so we are trying to to give them the right way to approach the situation uh, but this is definitely something they are considering and I think we are looking at at least twenty people in the past uh, three months four months. Good for you. <laughs> I might move to Miami. <laughs> yeah, more, more than welcome. <laughs> no, but that's going to be interesting competition, you know, between the different ecosystem in America, because you can see uh, it's going to be pretty, um, I'm sure, uh, uh, not, uh, not a war, but for sure there will be interesting conversation between the mayor of Miami, the mayor of New York City, and, you know, just to make sure that they can attract as many people as possible, I guess. The conversation that we, we have here right now is really about where in Europe people want to be locating because they can't really choose the U.S. right now because of travel restrictions. But I think that conversation is going to change significantly once once that opens back up and, and people can, can come to the U.S., then it will be a matter of um, if they're choosing the U.S., then, then they now have options that it's not just the Valley. So where would that make sense? It's actually been that way historically if you were doing something where you weren't really selling into the GAFA that you the industrial tissue of, of the U.S. is is located all over the place, so potentially you were going to pick another city anyhow. But but when it really comes to to scale ups looking to sell into GAFA, that you did really only have one choice. You had to had to go to the Valley. I think that's going to that discussion will change. But we're not hearing a lot of it right now, just because people are really looking at well, where do I want to be in Europe for the past six months and for the next year? Um, but then I think once that really becomes a different conversation that we're going to see a lot of that. What my, but the first actually big room that I was a part of when I joined on Clubhouse was a conversation between the mayors of San Francisco, Austin and Miami and it was brilliant. Um the, the poor mayor of San Francisco was was trying to defend a lot of things and and but but Austin and San Francisco, Austin and Miami just had a lot of people in their corner talking about lots of things and and but it and curious interestingly enough it was they were 
they were very much talking about working together and how these ecosystems could 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 could, could coexist and and be even stronger together. But it was very clear that it was an Austin and Miami conversation in a lot of ways for that, where all these other ecosystems are seeing how they can. What's our strength? What are our weaknesses? And how do we, like Stan mentioned, you know, picking the right city in Florida you know, uh, don't just automatically come to Miami, maybe come to someplace close, but, you know, we're still all going to work together anyways, but maybe there's a place that's a little bit better for you than here for the following reasons. And they were going to see a lot of that, um, but it's exciting to see. Just a comment also, because yeah, like Caroline mentioned that uh, um, it, it's critical also for um, uh, an ecosystem to have a global talent. And I think also one of the reasons why, like we don't see tech giants coming up uh, from Paris, for instance, is that uh, in uh, in a Brazilian startup, like ninety five percent of the talent are French. Uh, in San Francisco, New York, and, and maybe it's also the case in Miami, uh, you have like uh, cosmopolitanism. Like you have people from all over the world, and I think they they can be then global companies because from the a very early team, uh, you have people from all over the world. And you 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 talk about the travel restrictions, but. Uh, if indeed it's not uh, the new normal to actually migrate to the US uh, as a as an employee, um, but that you can work from anywhere, um, how much will you actually have this global culture within the same team? I mean, I, I guess yes, we could all work remotely, but so, somehow, especially to disrupt the US market, you need to also absorb the US culture, and it's very difficult to do that only on Zoom um, or Clubhouse. So, so that could be also a disruptor for like uh, this uh, ecosystem and and the fact that uh, uh, we can also gather these uh, global talents. No, one hundred percent. And another thing, because uh, we are very much talking about Miami as as the escape <laughs> solution, and not like uh, because it is worth it. Uh, so, we, there is a migration. But what's interesting that if I take my example with S4M, we, we settled in Miami to succeed in New York. So it was much easier uh, to find our first big case studies uh, with big brands that are uh, present in Miami. So we could move those cases to New York and take New York as a second city. Because for us, it was way too expensive to continue the struggle in New York uh, and to try to, to knock on doors without any big American case study. And, and we, used, we used the Miami as our first en entry, entry point to the US and the Latin market. If I may, I know that Benjamin has to go. Uh, ben, do you have uh, anything to add to uh, this conversation? No, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm sorry I have a hard stop. It was a really, really... Uh, Great, and uh, again, uh, happy to have connect back with uh, Alain, Clem, and, uh, and Stan. So looking forward to see you around, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you. And same here. Uh, thank, same you, here Benjamin. Benjamin. thank you, Benjamin. Uh, thank you, too. I also have a hard stop. I'm sorry. Uh, no. But looking forward to, uh, to exchange it with you, Ethan, and Chris, and the rest of the uh, French tech community in Miami. Stan, uh, Stan we have uh, a standing meeting that we have to actually set up. Uh, and Clem, you should just come along, and, and we, could, uh, we could have a meal with, with Benjamin as well. Bye-bye, thank Let, you. Let's do it in Key West then. <laughs> okay, sorry. You're welcome, guys. Come to New York at some point, okay? Bye-bye. Don't forget guys. about New York. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for joining. And uh, yeah, feel free, feel free to connect with me on, on Twitter on, or on 
Clubhouse. Uh, that's an interesting early conversation. I feel like we'll we'll be able to have this conversation pretty regularly in the in the future. Uh, and, and especially for myself, as I'm still kind of like pondering what the next few months are going to look like location-wise, going to be interesting for me to 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 learn and and experiment and and see where where I end up in a few months. Brilliant! Congratulations again, Clem, on the raise and all the future success, and uh, wishing you the best as you as you build uh, build out things uh, there in your new home um, and as you scale up the company. Well, I, I wanted to uh, to say thank you, first of all, Chris and Ethan, for uh, um, you know giving us this opportunity to talk about that. I have a million topics, you know, to uh, to talk about about La French Tech. So hopefully, I, I can come back one day. Um, for uh, for joining us and Benjamin and Stan and Arnold for your help, um, you know, for everything. And um, yeah, well, uh, if I may come back to New York at some point <laughs> because I'm feeling lonely a little bit over here. <laughs> I just want to thank everyone. I really appreciate it. And uh, now I'm now I'm inspired to get book a trip to Miami and sit on the beach and code and talk about startups. So thanks everyone. Well, feel free to join uh, the French Tech Miami on LinkedIn. And I think we will have also a French Tech America website very soon. So it will be easier to coordinate. Yes, we will. Caroline, what are you doing? It should be yes. your promotion. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're better than Well, French Tech America is actually a thing now. So yeah, you will, we will, you know, hear about French Tech America very soon. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you, Stan. Okay, but we'll, we'll in, come back in the meantime, we have many people to help you uh, and uh, answer your, your questions. You have uh, offices that you can use within the, the French Tech Miami board members. So feel free to, to reach out. I think a vacation in Miami is definitely going to be on the, uh, on the plannings now. That's, that sounds fantastic. Uh, everyone, thank you so much. We, we're As our mission uh, to bring an Anglophone access to all the amazingness of French Tech, whether it is French Tech in France or French Tech elsewhere, we're so excited to get to spend some time with you and so excited to hear about all these great ways that French Tech is scaling up in the U.S. as well. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again. See you on Thursday and see you in the future and have a great night. Want more news and stories from France's incredible innovation ecosystem and its entrepreneurs? Subscribe to the French Tech News with Chris and Ethan on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and switch on notifications to be informed of new episodes as soon as they are released. You can connect with Chris and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. I am at Ethan Pierce, that's E-T-H-A-N-P-I-E-R-S-E, and Chris O'Brien is at O'Brien, O-B-R-I-E-N. Let us know if there are guests that you would like to see on the interview podcast or Clubhouse, as well as any stories that we should take a look at. As always, thank you for listening, and see you next time.